Tennessee Titans talk. We're going to finish this mock draft, fellas. So excited to be with y'all. It's Sunday afternoon, April 19th, fellas. It's draft. Huh, we're there. Just about there. We only have to suffer through about 50 more hours before we get to the event of the offseason. So this is going to be a unique draft. I think it's going to create a little more uncertainty. It's going to make for better viewing. I am confident that ESPN, NFL Network, and the NFL, all of its sponsors are going to give us the best product they can. They've been working hard. This time last year, they were building building a mini city down in Riverfront. And those same folks are working. They're just going to people's houses and testing connections and getting everything going. What have y'all read about that has interested you most about the process of a virtual draft? We'll start with you, Lynn. Well, I've read that if there's any malfunction with a team's connection, their GM goes out, anything like that, the league will stop the clock. It'll just pause it until it gets back online. So we could see the draft overall take much longer than it usually does because we could see multiple outages, connection issues that leads to pause clocks. I also saw that with trades, they're trying to work in protections just because it's going to be harder with how split up everyone is to work out the details of a trade. I think we could see more trades, more airtime for the draft in general. I think an interesting thing they just announced two days ago that they're turning the draft into a draft-a-thon. Basically, you can call to donate money to benefit a bunch of different organizations like the American Red Cross, you know, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC Foundation, all of us uh, to combat coronavirus campaign, Feeding America, Meals on Wheels, Salvation Army, United Way. Going to be great for football nerds like us, but it's also going to be great for, you know, our country and helping us get back on our feet and uniting everybody with sports, which is something that we've been lacking for a while because we haven't really had a live sporting event in some time. And while this isn't an athletic event, it's near and dear to the sports world. I've got a good friend that works in media, works in sports, and she said that she hasn't watched an NFL draft in several years, but she'll be watching this weekend. Just number one, to see how they pull it off. And number two, just to participate in something normal at its normally scheduled time. Props to the NFL for doing that. And to add to that, I expect this draft to smash all the TV ratings because there's literally nothing else on and there hasn't been anything on. This is going to be the last thing on for a while. So everyone's going to tune in just for the fear of missing out and having nothing for a while. I think everybody's ready to just be so normal as possible. Uh, I think it's just going to be fun. It's something unique. I think some unique things are going to come from this that they have to do out of necessity that they may do even when the draft goes back to normal, hopefully next year, right? So for instance, I think there will be some informal things happen, some things with families and uh, just some fun, maybe traditions that'll start that they would have never picked to do that I think may stick with us. I'm trying to think of an example, but a lot of these young kids are creative folks and there'll be some some accidents that turn into hilarious things. Like for instance, years ago, the first guy that bear hugged Roger Goodell, right? I mean, now that's a thing. I wonder if we'll actually, you know, look back and benefit from sort of this unique nature of this year's draft. On our last episode, we got through pick eight and we're going to go through as many as, as we can today. We're going to start with John's other favorite team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Love them. They have the ninth pick. Uh, As a result of being a poor team last year, they have another pick later on. They have the Rams' first first round pick. Kind of an unstable offseason so far. They've had to make some tough decisions because of their bad cap management. First of all, what what do you think their biggest need or two is? Well, I think quarterback is always in the conversation because they still don't have one. Gardner Minshew, sure, whatever, but he's not going to be your full-time NFL starter. At least I don't think so. So you've always got to consider quarterback i've seen a lot of reports out there i know you guys have too that they're looking to find a trade partner and 
get rid of Leonard Fournette. If that happens, I think they become an immediate probability to draft a running back pretty early on. Maybe not at 9. They've got some more picks coming, so maybe at 20. So I, I think those are some areas of need. They've also got a lot of holes on the defensive line that they lost during free agency. So, I mean, they lost Clayus Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe. Not a happy guy, so there are definitely some spots that they, that they need to fill. I would have to agree with you on the defensive line pick. They were the fifth worst run defense last year, and they lost their two best linemen, so they're obviously going to get worse. And that's really it. Garner Minshew had a decent rookie year, especially for a six-rounder. It's not an immediate need, but if the value is there, like if Tua were there, that would make sense. At cornerback, since they trade away all their good players, that's also a need. But here it would be a bit early, especially with Jeff Okuda off the board. I've got Jedrick Wills on my board still, and uh, I think they, they would go offensive line because I just think they've had so many consistent issues with that. But they could go down the line. They have a need at corner. I know some teams like C.J. Henderson from Florida. Some teams do not. I would that they'll go with, you know, offensive or defensive line here. I think they would love for Kinlaw to be around. And I could see them. They have had, of all their mistakes, they have had success drafting defensive linemen. With that, let's talk picks. I'll pick Kinlaw for them at nine. What about you, John? Jedrick Wills is a beast. He, he's going to go. Like, yeah, he's really solid. I've oh, heard yeah, that he like might. Arizona would be all over him. Yeah. And he could go at four. Yeah. I've heard he might fall a little because he doesn't have the perceived upside of some of these other guys, but he's so safe in teams need linemen. He'll be one. I think he'll be one of the top two linemen taken just because you know you're going to get a plus right tackle for a while. It's the same thing like McClinchy going nine to San Francisco. Remember, I kept saying he's going to go top 10 and he was being he was being mocked between 15 and 20. I was like, San Francisco is going to take him. This is that. Arizona is going to, they're not going to mince any words. They're not going to get cute. They're going to take a lineman. Their offensive line is garbage. Yeah, and I think so they would many take of these a top lineman. 10 teams have crap linemen, and they have a quarterback they like, so they're going to go lineman, right? If Isaiah Simmons were there, then it would be really hard for the Cardinals. And depending on how many offensive tackles are still there, I could see them trading back. Because obviously, I know the Bucks and the Broncos both want to trade up for offensive skill positions. And maybe they just trade back and say, we like all these guys. So even if we get the lowest counter board, we still love them. We'll take the assets. Because they were the worst team against tight ends. Their, pass, their defense overall was the worst in the NFL. And you have to think Simmons would just add so much to that defense. But at the same time, Kyler Murray is the future. And you've got all these great offensive linemen. You don't have a second. So that would just be a really tough dilemma. I, I could see them trading back and just deferring to other teams. I think so, too. The trade back thing is fine and good. But that happens out of nowhere. Not usually how we predict it. And if there's not trading up for a quarterback, it's it's about value. So it's one of those things where a lot of these teams, they pick when they wish they could trade back, but they just pick their guy. And that's how these reaches get made because they want to, they just want their guy. And so that's how Wills is going to go in the top 10. Need. Yeah. And if no other team bails them out, I don't think they will because why would they? I see Tampa Bay trading up for either Wills or Werfs because they need a right tackle. And they, and that's the easiest transition, obviously, because with how weird this offseason will be, having to transition Becton or Thomas back to right tackle will be tougher than just keeping Werfs or Wills at right tackle. Well, it depends on when he goes because I think they would have to at 14, unless they just really don't like Andrew Thomas, I think they're, they're just going to wait and say... Well, we'll take Andrew. Why are them taking the? If one of those guys falls to like eleven, then they'll be like, "Well, let's." Yeah. At this point, we can trade up and get our guy. But to trade up from eight, just the value of that, you know, I think it's going to be reactionary. Don't you think, John? Yeah, I think 
I honestly think anything's in play. Oh, it's going to be wild, I hope. <laughs> I mean, even I'm just looking at this big board of rated players. I mean, I don't. it's going to be insane. They're going to be moving all over the damn place. Big fella at nine, the Jaguars. They've got a lot of needs. Uh, we, we love to pick on them, but they've got a lot of places to go because they have a lot of needs. Cornerback, obviously. They have a pick later in the first round from their trade with the Rams last season. They're going to go best player available, I would think. They have had some success with drafting uh, defensive players high. Landon makes a good point about yeah i mean i think everybody likes the sash down there but we won't know for a while if he really is kind of the answer and if they really like a guy they could go quarterback so this is one of those pivotal picks here at nine they are like a lot of these teams maybe try to trade out and get a good offer but they could go anywhere on the board oh my they, board, they, they really best player available for me i think herbert could very easily still be around simmons andrew thomas and then all of the receivers they're gonna go need and best player available and i think i think they could kind of do both in one pick but go for it i think they go for a guy who's just very high ceiling but a lower floor Javon Kinlaw like I said they've had success with interior defensive linemen that's a big need for them because they have had to trade players and get and not bring players back just because of the horrible cap decisions they made at quarterback I think that would be a pretty good fit there Javon Kinlaw Knights to the Jags yeah and you know what my pick is not that different from you I don't have him picked yet in my mock but I'm gonna go with Derek Brown at Auburn I mean I think he fills a bunch of needs and I think he is the best player available for them at nine Landon if they come away with Derek Brown at nine they'll celebrate like they did last year when they picked maybe the best defensive player in Kentucky history, right? Oh, absolutely. They've shown when a blue chip defensive talent falls farther than people expect, they take that guy and they hit. Ramsey and Josh Allen, kind of a surprise set. The Jags were able to pick them where they did, and both were good. Derek Brown, probably the same situation, kind of a weird fit with the teams ahead of them, but he's a solid, safe pick. He's going to be a Pro Bowl level player for a long time. Maybe not an all pro, maybe not a high sack guy, but he solidifies the defensive line and he's not going to bust, which is important with how shoddy their draft history has been. Speaking of shoddy draft history, boys, let's talk Browns at 10. I've heard so much about how the Browns, and that's no offense to our listeners and Browns fans, our friends Jesse and, and Mitchell, and uh, we, we love you guys and want to have you guys on and talk uh, the Browns draft. Uh, it is just kind of a fact that uh, we don't really know what they're going to do, and they're back to their a- analytics stuff. Guys, they could go a lot of different directions here. I think the safe bet would be offensive tackle. We'll start with you, Landon. There's a lot of rumors that they like offensive linemen, offensive tackles later on, Ezra Cleveland, for instance, and that they're going to to try to trade out of this pick and that's so easier said than done you got to have a partner but 10 is usually pretty pivotal and if uh herbert drops and love isn't drafted at this point this is like we could see two years ago we could definitely see some movement at 10 here right for a quarterback oh i, I would agree especially with how deep this offensive tackle class is and most years cleveland would probably be a top three offensive tackle this year he's Lucky to be the fifth offensive tackle. And on my board, I still have Jordan Love available, but I don't see the Browns trading off the board. They signed Jack Conklin, who's a great run blocker, kind of a eh, pass blocker. And there's a guy available right now who can play it as a natural left tackle who fits that same mold where you maximize Nick Chubb and make Baker Mayfield's life easier. I've got the Browns taking Andrew Thomas tackle out of Georgia at 10. He started three years in the SEC. He was great. He's got, he started three years in the SEC. He was great. He's got two years of experience at left tackle. He's a devastating run blocker. Nick Chubb's going to be happy this year. He's probably not going to lose out on the rushing title because his offensive line is so much better in pass protection. He has some trouble troubles with speed off the edge, but he's got the power to handle most NFL defensive lineman and it's a, a great step towards making sure baker mayfield is protected john who do you like for cleveland 
at ten. For Cleveland at ten, he's still on my board. Um, Jedrick Willis out of Alabama, big offensive tackle. I think he's probably what this team has been missing. You know, after the departure of Joe Thomas years ago. So I think they look to firm up that offensive line. Like Landon mentioned, they've got Conklin on the right, adding Willis on the left, and you know, it kind of opens up a lot more of an offense for them. So I, I think that's what they kind of go to protect their quarterback and, you know, open up some running lanes. So I think they go with Willis. I think on my board, and I know it's different from you guys and a lot of folks, uh, just watching a lot of film recently of Justin Herbert, he has potential. I, I think he's going to fall to 10, uh, or he, he very well could. And at that point, I think somebody would trade up for him. I think Justin Herbert's going to go 10. I don't think it's going to be the Browns, but I, I think they're going to, because their analytics, they're going to undervalue that pick. Somebody's going to get a good deal to move up to 10 like the Bills did with the Chiefs in 17. It's like a trade-up for Mahomes. So um, I think we'll see Herbert off the board. At 11, the Jets. Are you guys going to miss not having, not hearing Jets fans and the confused look on their faces and all the booing? That is going to be something that uh, hopefully they make some kind of, uh, you know, diversion for or figure out some way that, that we can get, you know, number one, we can hear Goodell booed and number two, we can still see the passion and sadness of Jets and Giants fans. Oh, I'm sure they're going to figure some some way out to to troll that team and you know all these teams that we're n- normally used to seeing. Um, so yeah, I, that'd be fun. Landon, I like Clavon Chason at 11. We talk a lot about their offensive tackle needs. I I don't have Andrew Thomas off my board yet, and they could definitely reach for him. And as you mentioned, so could Cleveland. I think at this point, uh, the four guys that have gone, they're sort of that first tier. And I think Andrew Thomas is the beginning of that second tier. And I think we'll see him probably at Tampa at 14, like everybody uh, sort of seems to mock uh, nationally. Uh, The Jets also have a big need at edge rusher. So I think they'll go. I know, Landon, you're a fan of of Chason. Oh, I would agree. He's outside of Young. He's probably got the highest upside. The only question is he missed all of two years ago with an ACL tear. But if he's healthy, he's got the potential to be an all-pro level player. And their best pass rusher last year, I think, had seven or eight sacks. And in Greg Williams' defense, that's not a lot. And that's a big reason why their defense was so poor and their cornerbacks were so poor. You don't get pressure. Quarterbacks have more time. The offense just has an easier time overall. I see Mikai Becton falling to 11 here. Yes, he's got all-world level potential. He has greatest left tackle of all time potential, but you just, he doesn't always put together his pass protection sets weren't as efficient as the other guys in his class. Recently, there's been reports that he, he failed some tests and there's questions about his love of cooking for some reason. I guess he could eat himself out no, of the NFL, true. but I doubt that with how big he already is. Well, I, either the Jets... He more than 400 pounds at Louisville and he really only got super effective last year when he, when he got down. Uh, that is... You know, his fitness and his weight is a big deal. My understanding is he's admitted uh, freely to smoking marijuana. I think the issue with the NFL is that that can make you lose time. It doesn't look like in the new CBA, John, that that is going to be as much of a threat. So do you think the marijuana stuff hurts Becton? Because I think Becton is pretty much – Landon makes an excellent point that he falls the way sometimes players fall historically. Weight, drug use – do you think that affects Becton? Do you think we see Becton outside of the top 10? Um, I think it could. I, I have him going earlier. You know, I had him going, I believe, to the Giants at four. So I think he'll still go top 10. But, you know, the, we did the, the first eight picks before it was brought up about his drug usage and how he's already entering the NFL 
program. He can, he very well could drop. Teams do not like to mess around with that, especially when you're in such a huge market as the Jets. You're in New York. And we saw some issues with Quinn and Williams last season or in the offseason. Things happen. And they, they, you know, they don't want to tr- attract that negative publicity. So they might move on. They might pick somebody different because like you mentioned, you know, on, on my board and your board, we still have some really good offensive tackle candidates available right. with a lot less pers- off the field risk. So they might do that and they might do something different. I was originally going to go offensive line, but then I looked at my own board and saw that we have not seen a, a wide receiver go yet. And their say, wide this receiver. This is where we can yeah. certainly say that could happen because the Jets have zero weapons. Nobody. They, I mean, like, I think the most consistent target on their roster is Braxton Berrios. So, I mean, like, these guys need a receiver big time, especially if you want Sam Darnold to be anywhere near something successful. So, I am going to. Go with wide receiver here. I'm going to pick Jerry Judy out of Alabama. I think with the recent trend of these Alabama wideouts coming out and kind of setting the world on fire, I mean, you've got Julio Jones, you've got Calvin Ridley, you've got Amari Cooper. I think they just try to to capture that lightning in a bottle and take a, a really dynamic prospect from Alabama. And, you know, I think getting Sam Darnold some targets that are reliable is what they have to do in order to be effective. Yeah, I think I think we could very well see that. My first receiver is going to come off at 12, Las Vegas Raiders. I personally think, I know nationally we see, I'll be interested in what y'all think, CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy, right? Who's going to be the first receiver taken? I think Henry Ruggs has a chance to be the first receiver taken. I think our boy in Vegas... Chucky is going to love Henry Ruggs. Guys that run the fastest time as receivers typically get put in well. They're track guys. Watch Henry Ruggs tape now. Every time they ask him to do something, number 11 made that catch. They just had so many good receivers in their their run first at Alabama, obviously. But I think Ruggs could be the first receiver taken. And I'll say this, watching film of these Alabama receivers, the best one, I don't know if he's he's not going to be the best pro prospect because he's so small. Landed number six, Devonta Smith. The guy had like 1,300 yards catching last year. He was unbelievable. But uh, answer me, do you think Henry Ruggs has a chance to be the first receiver taken in this draft? I would agree that it's really uncertain as far as which receiver goes first. I think Jerry Judy is the best, but when it comes to team composition and personal preference, they all have their own strengths and weaknesses. Judy is probably the best route runner since Amari Cooper and in a long time. Henry Ruggs, like you said, amazingly fast. C.D. Lamb, super physical, great after the catch. Every team values those kind of players differently, and they're all around the same level prospects. So it's really just what kind, what archetype of receiver do we need the most and which guy fits our system the, the best. I think so I can so see well, Ruggs yeah. going first, especially with the Raiders' propensity for drafting really fast guys really early. Well, with the West Coast offense, Judy would be a theoretical fit because he is an excellent route runner. He also drops the ball more than I think people talk about. So I wonder if we might see, and I'm going to pick a bit of an upset, and we'll see Ruggs off the board. Because to go with a 4.29, a 4.29.40, you add that to just a kind of a, a rugged play style. And he's not very big. He doesn't have the injury history some of these lightning fast guys do. John, who do you like at 12? Kind of like receiver as well, but I think that the Raiders, they have two solid bookend tackles in Colton Miller and Trent Brown. So I think on my board with Tristan Wirfs still available here at 12, I think they solidify some of that interior offensive line because, you know, they do have a couple already pretty decent receivers. They've got Zay Jones, they've got Hunter Renfro, they've got Tyrell Williams, and they just brought in Nelson Aguilar. So I don't think that's a position they're going to address right away, but I do think they can shore up the inside of that offensive line. Wirfs is a guard. A lot of people think that he will wind up at guard, but because of the length of 
his arms, but I think he will be a, an ideal right tackle. But if they did that, that would be my kind of move, and I would certainly appreciate that. I do think they need some help at receiver, but this is a – I've heard nationally, Landon. I don't know that it's hyperbole, but there's going to be receivers taken in the fifth round this year that are going to be starting by the end of the season. There's a lot of receiver talent, and as good as these top three guys look, heck, the top five or six guys may go in the first round. It's kind of tempting to pass receiver here because there's a there's a deep class. I would have to agree, especially because they have multiple thirds. The third is that interesting window where there's a bunch of guys who I feel are safe. You're you're knowing you're going to get a wide receiver three with a potential, to be, a potential to be a wide receiver two. But with Oakland, I think Tyler Williams is a good wide receiver two. Hunter Renfro as a slot guy. They don't need another pretty decent receiver. They need a guy who has the potential to be a true wide receiver one, a top 20 receiver. And at 12, I have them going C.D. Lamb. He gives them a kind of receiver that they don't have. Tyrell Williams as a fast, deep threat. Hunter Renfro, small and shifty out of the slot. He's so physical. He's amazing after the catch. He's not A.J. Brown after the catch where he just accelerates away from guys but his cuts and his ability to make his way out of crowded packs of defenders is just unbelievable he's the most explosive receiver in this class outside of henry ruggs and he's got the most production of any of the top guys 13 san francisco can go best player available here right this is their pick from trading DeForest buckner to the colts i think the colts gave up this pick and uh yep. and then paid 22 million dollars a year for buckner i know he's a good player i think he could be mutually beneficial but this is a team that has made for the most part good use of its draft picks some of them have been no-brainers like nick bosa too and and other things like that but they're gonna go best player available for me the player that's gonna follow the top 10 and of course, it's not guaranteed. I think it's going to be Isaiah Simmons just because his lack of like positional fit. And San Francisco would just love to have this guy. They tried to make Reuben Foster their sort of uh, centerpiece of their defense a few years ago. This is the guy who could really make that happen in a in a couple of different ways, right? Tell me who you guys like. We'll start with you, Landon, and kind of what their you think their philosophy will be uh, at thirteen. I can see them just going best player available because they were so close to winning a Super Bowl. They obviously need to replace Buckner, but they have great depth there, and their defensive line doesn't need to be as dominant for them to be successful. I have them taking Jerry Judy here at 13. Their offensive philosophy is ball control, the Shanahan run offense, play action. And Jerry Judy is the kind of guy, he's going to run a great intermediate route. He's going to he's gonna make the catch when he makes the catch, like you talked earlier. He's, he's a consistent first-down receiver that fits in perfectly with their ball control offense. Man, this one's a toss-up. I've got two guys on my board that they can go here. I, I was going to go C.D. Lamb here because I haven't had him taken yet. But I'll I tell you what, what I really like, I think they're going to try to get a cornerback in that on that roster as you guys mentioned they're not that far away <laughs> they only need a couple couple things shored up and i think if they can get a guy like cj henderson here yeah. Oh, yeah. i think that might be somebody they aim for uh, they have a lot they're gonna have a lot of options the way it hinges here and because they're a good team picking 13 they're just gonna take the guy who falls to 13 right and uh, i think yeah. they're smart enough to do that the way their offense runs they can have about anybody at receiver as long as he's fast and kind of toolsy and they've shown that without spinning it higher than like a second round pick they just they can have production that's just the way Shanahan does. That being said, C.D. Lamb in that offense would be potentially wow. Landon, they could use uh, use him to stretch vertically uh, more uh, than speed, and he could be a lot of fun to watch there. So um, that's one to keep from. But uh, the idea of C.J. Henderson, you know, with the, what they run, I think he would be a good fit. He's not like a tackling machine, but uh, you see the success that Richard Sherman's had as a second act there. I, I think that makes as, as much sense as any. 14, suddenly one of the most intriguing teams 
in the NFL is, is going to be the Tampa Bay Bucks. I have them penciled them for Andrew Thomas or the best offensive tackle available, but they could get cute. They could like a second or third round tackle, but generally I think – Well, hold on, hold on. They have Brad Seaton, man. They have <laughs> – Yeah, I wish. Yeah, I <laughs> they... wish. I would love to see him uh, blocking for uh, poor old grandpa. But, yeah, I like Andrew Jones from Georgia if he's here, Landon. And I'll ask you both, if they don't pick a tackle here, what position could you see them going? And who, who do you think they'll pick? I can see defensive line because – and Dominican Sue is a one-year deal. Shaq Barrett has been franchised. He doesn't have a long-term deal. Jason Pierre-Paul is up there in age. So pretty much all their best pass rushers are on, have uncertain futures. And on my board, a guy like Javon Kinlaw has Chris Jones upside in the pass rush. That would make a lot of sense. And then you just make that dominant front seven even more dominant. That just makes your defense even more better. I also like the thought of defense, but looking at their depth chart right now their roster they've got three tackles on the roster they've got donovan smith brad seaton and joe haig out of north dakota state nathan like you i actually have the same exact pick uh, with thomas going there as the best available offensive lineman left so i think they have to do that yeah no question and it thinks that they're out of necessity but you know when you have to number one if you go out and actually bring tom brady to town you cannot allow him like you kind of said you can't allow brad seaton to be his best lineman yeah absolutely it's not gonna happen they're gonna if thomas isn't here they're probably still gonna reach for a guy anyway they just are or they may oh yeah up and make sure they they get who they want but I, I i think it may come with the territory that they're just gonna they're gonna pick the best tackle on the board i have this pick as the first shocker of my mic i have them taking ezra cleveland tackle out of boise state here he's the fifth office offensive tackle off the board in the top 15 he's probably the second best pass blocker after Jedrick Wills and with Tom Brady Bruce Arians Godwin Mike Evans and OJ Howard that's a passing team especially with how lackluster their running backs are so he's a bit weak in the run game but the passing game is king and he's going to be able to start and do that day one that would be one heck of a shocker well we say that but we had similar shockers last year that we would not have guessed because I think teams are finally realizing the uh, offensive tackles are not growing on trees coming out of college, and that's that's your new reach besides quarterback. For instance, um, who went 14th last year but guard Chris Lindstrom. Now, we liked Chris Lindstrom, and I thought, well, he'll go in the 20s. But for the longest time, he was a second-round grade guy. And so I, I think last year, we don't have to look far to say this is the point and back where they – teams start really picking for need. For instance, after 13, we saw Lindstrom go at 14, and then we saw Dillard go at 22. We saw Garrett Bradbury go all the way as high as 18. And then we saw Tyus Howard go at 23, who had that saw that coming. So uh, we're going to see some reaches on offensive tackle. And Landon is to my point, they're going to take the best tackle on the board. And it might be Ezra Cleveland, and it might be, it might be Thomas, but I think whoever it is, they're going to take him. Very well could be. All right, 15. Guys, uh, I think it looks obvious they would take a receiver. I know they traded uh, Emmanuel Sanders last year, the Denver Broncos. I think the Broncos go for C.J. Henderson here. I think their second need is corner. I think they are one of those because they've had a a pretty good record over the years of finding non-first-round receivers and having success with them. I think they bank on that ability. I think they go C.J. Henderson, another big need they had. And they're a dark dark horse for a tackle, too, if one of these guys slips because they – I know you talk about Garrett Bowles a lot. Landon, they would love the opportunity to uh, to find his replacement, right? Oh, absolutely. He got a lot better yeah, down, the stretch, well but down the stretch, but last year, but still, I think he was one of the most 
if not the most penalized offensive tackle, and that's always a bad thing. And I, w- I agree with you here. I have C.J. Henderson going. They lose Chris Harris. Their cornerback group is pretty much a who's who. I've heard uh, I've heard of these guys, but they're not really good. They're probably cornerback threes, maybe twos at the absolute best. Henderson has the upside of a cornerback one. At 15, he's good value, especially with their needs. Well, they've got A.J. Boye. Yeah. So he kind of pushes me off of taking a corner. You know, I agree with a lot of what you guys said. I mean, they do have a lot of positions. I mean, they had Chris Harris leave. So I kind of, I really like their receiving core. They've got Cortland Sutton, and I really like Deshaun Hamilton. But I think right here, they take C.D. Lamb because he's still on my board, and he's just too good to pass up at this spot. He's just going to fill a huge need, and... You know we're gonna see Drew Locke kind of take off, especially with Melvin Gordon in the background in the in in the backfield. I just think they can have a really explosive offense pretty quickly. Lamb would probably be John Elway's dream and Broncos fans' dreams if you were that you add Sun and how physically imposing he is on the outside. Then you take Lamb, who's so physical after the catch. You've got a great run game in theory because you have Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, and Rolls Royce Freeman as a pretty good third running back. That's a smash mouth team. Then you add in the cold Denver air. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a team no one wants to face late in the season. Yeah, Lamb would be a physical fit for Denver, and it's just going to be a question of whether they they like somebody maybe a little bit later. This is going to sound weird, but as huge of a Titans fan I am, I, I'm watching football when it's on. I think we either admit that we have you know a second favorite team or we don't, and it changes for me based on kind of who's on teams, right? Because I obviously have allegiance only to one team. The Broncos are going to be my team I find myself you know, watching when the Titans... Really How much does Jarrell Casey factor into this Dr- for you? Jarrell Casey is the icing on the cake. You guys know how much <laughs> I love Drew Locke. <laughs> I just love everything about that kid. And I like how everybody just disses John Elway like he didn't have a hand in, in them going to two Super Bowls. It's tough to find a quarterback, yes. It's ironic that he was one of the greatest ever live, and he's had swings and misses. But I like that he swings and he misses, and he just goes right back to it. He doesn't hang on to a mistake. I like Drew Locke. I love Jarrell Casey. I think the teams between 10 and 15 are going to benefit from reaches in the uh, top 10, and they're just going to find really good players. So whether they come away with CeeDee Lamb or Henderson or whoever else, I, I think uh, it's just a, kind of the, the cat bird seat of the draft. All right, guys, uh, let's go. Let's go Falcons. 16. Uh, biggest needs, corner, interior defensive line. We know edge rusher, even running back. I think it's early for that. Even with Gurley, I, I want to see Gurley be healthy. Linebacker. Landon, based on the board that you have in front of you, who do you like for the Falcons? I've got Javon Kinlaw here, which is an excellent fit next to Grady Jarrett. He's a bit weak against the, the run game. He doesn't set a great anchor. Grady Jarrett is one of the underrated defensive tackles in the league. He's going to be a good mentor. He can cover up his weaknesses. In the passing game, he's got all the upside in the world. And in Atlanta, they this is a spot where you swing for upside. You take a bit of a risk on a guy who could bust, but he also has a ceiling to work out. In the top 10, Kinlaw feels too risky, but in the mid-teens, a team is going to pull the trigger just because of what he could be. Kinlaw is one of those guys that he could drop, but he has the talent of a top 10 player every year. But there are questions you know, about his productivity and uh, and kind of uh, mental approach to the game. Uh, wh- who do you think falls in? Where do you think they go at 16? Yeah, I'm kind of on board with what Landon's saying. I'm either thinking Kinlaw or Caleb on Chason at LSU. I just think they need some defensive line help, whether it's on the interior D-line with Kinlaw or off the edge with Chason. I could see either of those picks, but since Landon went Kinlaw, I'll go with Caleb on Chason at LSU. If Kinlaw is not there, I mean, he would be perfect for them. They would be thrilled. If not, they're one of the teams that most of the teams that we've ran into to this point, regardless of what happens, because we're all three picking different players mostly uh, each pick. Uh, still a player of need 
kind of fits. If Kinlaw's not there, Chason isn't there, they're going to have to reach on a corner or they're going to have to take best player available that is not an edge rusher, interior defensive lineman, or corner. I think that, um, and you tell me, Landon, a lot of teams really like Gladney. Jeff Gladney from TCU. I, I think he would fit Atlanta scheme better than Christian Fulton would. Do you? What do you think about Gladney at 16? I think 16 is kind of the upper tier of where he could go. I think he's going to go in the early 20s because he's a bit smaller. He doesn't really have the size to bang with big guys outside. But his ball instincts and his ball production, you can't you can't argue against it. He's a plus athlete. He he's got the attitude and swagger of a corner. And since they cut Desmond Trufant, their cornerbacks are really Isaiah Oliver than just a bunch of math players. I can see them taking a cornerback here this early, but if it's not Henderson, I think that's a bit of a reach, especially with the depth in this draft. In the second round, there's a bunch of guys I like that aren't too much of a drop-off from Gladney. I think the second round has a bunch of cornerbacks that would fit as well, and there's not too much of a drop-off from Gladney to those guys. So I don't think Gladney would be the right pick here, but he makes sense if they were forced into going right. cornerback. I think Gladney's a riser, but to be in the 20s, and I think this would be a reach for him. I just wonder if, like, when you look at Atlanta and Dallas at 17, they could really use a good corner. There's the top end of the corner uh, crop this year is, is not materially better, I think, than guys you can get in the second round. So we'll just have to see. But I don't, I don't know. I I think Atlanta could be sort of in a tough situation with their need and, and who's available. Uh, I was going to say, one thing with Atlanta, like you mentioned, need and best available unfortunately they're in a division where needs are kind of identical for corner and an edge rusher because they have all those quarterback in the nfc south and you know they're gonna have to get after them or they're gonna have to defend against them so i think you know regardless of what they do they're looking at corner or they're looking at defensive line help or edge rusher because they have to it's need it's best player available it's what they need to win their division absolutely um, to even stay relevant so i think that either of those picks you know are going to go a long way to helping them do that so for that reason, this is kind of that reach highest point potential for like a Gross Matos or a, a guy we really like and, and would like to see fall Epinesa. So I wonder if they're gonna if they're gonna stay true to that because you make an excellent point. All those, especially with the addition of uh, of Tom Brady, right. like, yeah, right, Mr. Twelve. Him, somebody's gonna have to defend. I like the safeties here. Grant Delpit is really an interesting player. Uh, he didn't tackle great last year, but he has great 2018 tape. Xavier McKinney is really good, but man, neither one of these teams quite need a safety. I think Dallas at 17. Uh, I could see them going McKinney and liking McKinney, but I just think they are not going to be able, and on my board anyway, CD Lamb's still there. I think they would take Lamb in a heartbeat. That may not be what most people think. They won't have that decision to make. Uh, who do you guys like for um, the Cowboys? To well, since he's still on my board, I'm going to go ahead and pencil in Javon Kinlaw going here just because I think they can use a lot of defensive line help. I want to say it's a tough division, but it's also a tough division to win, so we've seen the struggles with that division that have been down a lot of injuries over the last couple of years, but I think really solidified that defensive line help. I've also thought about offensive line because they lost Travis Frederick this offseason, right. so they're kind of getting banged up there. But I think just the defensive need kind of outweighs the, their offensive line. I, I I think you guys are undervaluing Kinlaw, but I, I see where there's maybe a possibility that he slips. I just think, I think he'll go just inside the top ten. Uh, this could be, to your point, though, could we see Cesar Ruiz landing? John makes a good point that, boy, they have not been afraid to use assets for uh, offensive linemen in the first round of the past. Is this the opening point? Could you see Dallas reaching for Cesar Ruiz? I see them doing the, the opposite, taking the best player available. I certainly think so. It's a perfect marriage of need and best player available at his position. Ruiz is probably in his own tier among interior offensive linemen. So here, it's a bit of a reach. I don't think he's as good as some of the guys 
we've seen go early in the past couple of years among centers. What about but Bradbury? he's the best he center. Last year. How does he compare it to Bradbury? I, I think he's I think he's every bit as good as Bradbury. I liked Bradbury a bit more. I thought he was more mobile, but he he wasn't as good as Bradbury, but he's in that same area. And I thought Bradbury was a bit of a reach anyway. Oh, me too. Big time. Yeah, so Ruiz makes sense, but I have them going cornerback Christian Fulton out of LSU. They lose Byron Jones. They've got a couple good cornerback twos and threes, but they lack a guy with the size and strength to handle big wide receiver ones. And Fulton has that size and strength. And Fulton is my cornerback three here. So this feels about the right value. And I think it feels their second biggest need on defense. I think the Dolphins are, are going to kind of be maybe the, the lead story team-wise this weekend just because of so many picks. Here they are back at 18. If they're smart, they take best player available. Their big needs are obviously quarterback, offensive tackle, just all along the offensive line, safety, edge rusher. Where do you guys see them going at 18? We'll start with you, John. I think they're in the market for another offensive lineman, so I think like we talked about with the Buccaneers, they're going to go with best offensive tackle available. They signed Eric Flowers, but... We all, we've all seen that show before. We know how that works. So I think they're going to take best tackle available, which on my board is uh, my board is currently, I, I'd take Lucas Nyang out of TCU. He's a big, huge dude, 6'7", about 330 pounds, and he's just a people mover. So I think they kind of take that to shore up. They believe in, they obviously believe in Eric Flowers, at least a little bit. So I think they take Lucas Nyang to kind of partner with him and give, get some solid bookend tackles. If, if nothing... They're massive bookend tackles. So I think that's something that they kind of hang their hat on. And they come out around one. You know, I mean, obviously they have a pick later, but they come out already feeling like they've nailed it. You know, doing these mock drafts seems easy when you're listening to podcasts and you're like, oh, these people are so stupid. But this is tough, right? Because things come along. It's and so it's hard. Like sometimes you're kind of, you really feel like you're doing a, a square peg and a round hole. It's like, I don't quite love that, but I had to do this before. So it is tougher than it looks. I mean, uh, I get really frustrated it, just when guys, ignore needs or the draft history of guys making the pick but beyond that it's still a challenge for me i because you two guys went quarterback for the dolphins at five i i went just so we could see what it looked like let's say they i had them taking becton at five and uh, jordan love watched a lot of film on jordan love <laughs> this guy mm, he does remind me of um of a guy that and i guess they're all like this to a certain point i don't like it when people say this because it makes it seem like it isn't the players that do the work and make the plays but i think he's going to be scheme contingent um you can look at him and but he has the raw skills and he is pretty effectively accurate downfield and he is super tough and i don't like the excuse well the scene wasn't that good around him 2018 he played well he had 17 interceptions but this guy played they played utah state played lsu they played michigan in 18. this guy was running for his life he has potential i think in a perfect parallel world honestly the ideal fit for him would be just because what we saw what jim harbaugh did in san francisco like the jaguars fire their guy this year or next year the jaguars pick love at nine he can make love kind of an ideal nfl player but he has questions like he had uh, an issue with like a marijuana charge and i know that's not really that doesn't have the same context it used to but it still shows that the guy's not you know that's not a very serious minded mature thing to do just to, to, to it doesn't look great although i don't have it doesn't have the same connotation guys i wonder um if we might see something wild here we might see the dolphins who've definitely been out of the box we might see them go quarterback here what do you think the fit for and what Miami's kind of building down to be? We'll start with you, Lane. 
why I like it. Obviously, they have Fitzpatrick, so they can afford yeah. to sit love a year and let him develop, which he really needs to do. His lower body mechanics are all over the place. He's making a throw. His hips are pointing one way. His feet are pointing another. And neither of those directions are at the receiver. But his arm talent is the best in the class. Oh, yeah. It's Patrick Mahomes-esque. I feel that's fair to say he's not Mahomes overall, but his arm is at that level. They can afford to sit him. They have some interesting young weapons. And with what you were saying, if they go offensive line early, they start rebuilding the infrastructure around him. That makes a lot of sense. I think Fitzpatrick is his mentor. It's crazy. That seems that Fitzpatrick, I'm sure, is great in that quarterback room. And he needs somebody that Fitzpatrick is a professional and he's gritty and he's tough, but he's also not afraid to be himself. I, that's what I would like about a guy like Harbaugh that would be the perfect mentor for a guy like this. But I think I like the coaching staff in Miami. I would love to see them uh, go this route. Watching film, the two best just straight quarterbacks, not regardless of any other questions, and the other questions are valid. The way the ball spins off and the toughness and grit, it's Tua and it's Jordan Love. I mean, they, yeah, well, they I was, do more. Like uh, <clears throat> Obviously, Burrow is so good and does the checkdowns, but when he gets into trouble, there are, those, there are the two guys that just go laterally and make things happen and fling it. They have the raw tools now. A lot of players have the raw tools and never make anything of it, but the, the those are the two guys that really kind of stick out on tape, for me anyways, John. What well, do you think yeah. of that? Well, uh, I think he's a really good prospect, and you know, kind of like what you said, I do like him at Miami, but I have Tua going earlier, so for that fact, I'm going to you know eliminate him from my own picks like that. You mentioned the coaching staff. They they hired Chan Gailey again as their offensive coordinator, and you know he's known for spread offenses and these types of quarterbacks, so I think whether it's Tua or whether it's uh, Love, I think they're both really, really, really good fits in Miami. If it's Patrick, he's going to be your bridge gap guy until they're ready to go. I think if there were a regular, you know, if we were going to have regular training camps and everything, I think that whoever they draft a quarterback would be a day one starter, but because we don't have that normal schedule, I think Fitzpatrick holds on to the job a little bit longer, and you know, we maybe see five, six games out of him, and he'll give us his six touchdowns in one, six picks in another game, and then no touchdowns, no picks, and it'll be really questionable and you know the front the front office is going to have to make the decision of you know putting their young quarterback in and i think they do it and Tua or love would be really good fits there yeah uh, either one and they're fun to watch Tua's tape in 2019 on a bad leg against lsu running for his life i i know we we give a lot of accolades to alabama's offensive line man lsu got all over him the stuff he did to i think he outplayed burrow he just had he was just from behind he just didn't i mean just the play calling at LSU last year. I know Burrow did a great job and he made it easy on them, but man, they carved them up. Boy, Tua was just so gutsy. And you see similar stuff with Jordan Love. He played LSU as well with Utah State's team. And the guy had a lot of guts. He's a 50-50 guy. It's a 50% chance he does not become an, a long-term NFL starter. There's also a 50% chance. Big fella, do you remember the year Cordell Stewart started for Pittsburgh and had like a, an MVP caliber year? And I think the early 2000s, uh, it was kind of like a second act of his career. And he didn't run for yards. He just used his mobility and he could absolutely just fling it. He had sort of magic to him. That's Jordan Love's ceiling where he could just use his athleticism He's never going to be like a Russell Wilson type. No one should really be compared to that guy. But if he figures it out, like you said, Chan Gailey could be a good fit. Fitzpatrick could be a good fit. Taking an offensive lineman that hits at five. If it works out well for Jordan Love, this could be a perfect spot. So I have Herbert going, so Love doesn't make sense. I really, 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 really want to go offensive line here. I hate 
I'm taking a receiver here, but just the value and the fact that the guy fell down my board. Henry Ruggs is still here. Devontae Parker broke out. Preston Williams showed potential. You add a sub 4 3 yeah, guy and Henry Ruggs to stretch the field. And it could happen. That's a very nice trio of offensive weapons for Herbert or Fitzpatrick to have next season. Oh, that's a scenario that could happen, and that would be, uh, I think they we all know what they need in offensive line, but they're going to pick here and a few more picks. And a guy they might like may still be there, depending on how the board goes. So they could uh, just pray Josh Jones is there when they pick at 26. Uh, Ruggs is not here on my board. There is another quarterback, uh, another receiver that I, I think if somebody slips, I think Jerry Judy could slip, and he's my guy just because of the drops. And when you watch tape of Alabama, the really explosive guys were Smith and Ruggs, but J- Judy is enticing because he's such a polished player. Here we go. We got Las Vegas again at 19. I had them picking a receiver. Um, they're going to look, uh, I would think, corner. I think we're a little early for interior defensive linemen. Uh, what do you think, John? Who, who do you like for Las Vegas at 19? I agree. I think corner is the pick. I still have guys on my board like Fulton and Gladney, but I really think they like the athleticism of A.J. Terrell out of Clemson. Yeah, I've heard a lot And he's a little bit lately. bigger. Yeah, he's a little bit bigger um, than those other two guys, and I've seen him climb up climbing up some boards just recently so i think that's a guy they take obviously mayock you know he did some scouting on clemson last year when drafting Farrell in the first round so i think that this guy kind of stood out this year and last year so um i think that's somewhere they take you know a little bit of a gamble uh, for raiders um this is a little bit of a stretch but i think they take him because they like his athleticism what about you lan i also had terrell with the clemson connection he he had a great season outside of the championship game against jamar chase but again, Jamar Chase does that to everyone. He's got the size and the physicality that they're looking for. Him, Trayvon Mullen on the outside mean. LaMarcus Jordan can play slot corner, which he's better at. I wanted to go Gladney here. I like him more than Terrell, but just Gladney's lack of size, I think, is going to turn Mayock off. And I think Terrell makes a lot of sense here. I could see them taking Grant Delpit here. Um, I, I think they like his range, and I think he'd be a good fit with uh, Abrams. Abrams would be sort of the heavy hitter. Delpit has a range. He's been criticized for his tackling, but I think he fits what they would like to do, and I could see him being the first safety off the board. McKinney's got a lot, but I think Delpit just has a little bit more athleticism, so I think he has a a higher upside. And uh, they're the kind of team and uh, the kind of front office, I think, that would still value a safety here. All right, back to your... uh, to our favorites, the, the Jags. <laughs> our guess, uh, based on your board, who do you like, John? 20. Uh, on my board, um, you know, earlier I had the Jags taking Derek Brown. I think they're staying on that side of the ball, and I think they're going to, you know, it's, we're going to start a run on corners right here with these guys that are still left at tremendous value. Um, so I think they're going to take a guy like, like Christian Fulton out of LSU. I think he kind of shores up their cornerback needs since they lost Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye. I mean, you know, he slides in as a day one starter and really provides them some solid cornerback play. What about you, Lance? I have them doubling up on defensive linemen after taking Derek Brown earlier. I have them taking A.J. Epinesa, who I'm a lot higher on than it seems the consensus is. I understand he's not the most athletic, most twitchy off the edge, but he's powerful. I like his hands. He was productive and the most physical conference in college football in the Big Ten. He's. I'm very confident A.J. Epinesa is going to be a plus starter for a long time in the NFL. He might not be Pro Bowl, all pro level, but at this point in the first round, if you're getting a solid, dependable start at a position as valuable as defensive line, I would take it. 
I think Epinesa, watching a lot of film on him last week, he's not super impressive on every play. I think people are looking for a wow factor from him because he's, you know, such a good pedigree and reputation. He is a poor man's Joey Bosa. I mean, the guy's a brick wall. He will never quit. He will get after you. He let he let running backs on like a draw run past him, but he is not very agile. Uh, but he's a big man, 275, and he's a perfect fit and as a 3-4 end. So I could see him going in these early 20s uh, for real because his ceiling is i mean his floor is pretty high the guy is a man i'd love to see him fall to 29 to us he is not ever gonna be the nfl sax leader but he is uh gonna get that guy's gonna get sacks late in the game because he is never going to quit big fella he's a player like you would like uh he kind of uh. reminds me of your type of i think landon would you say poor man's joey, joey bosa is a is a, a decent description of him based on your film study i would say so and that's really the difference he just doesn't have the upside of bosa but physically his play style is very similar. It'd be a dream. Yeah, yeah he, did, he did Fulton. The Jags need a corner, and they need a really guy that can play slot. Obviously, they had to get rid of Boye. Um, I don't see them liking who's there for me on my board. Like, I still have Christian Fulton. He's got some good cover skills, but uh, I, I think Xavier McKinney's the best on the board. They need a safety. Xavier McKinney's a guy that could play slot a lot, too. And so I think they would – I could see them going Xavier McKinney just because at this point, I mean – and you've seen safeties go in the 20s uh, lately, especially for teams trying to be aggressive. You see Pittsburgh, you know, had no problem picking safeties and giving up their first-round pick for a safety. I like I like Xavier McKinney for Jacksonville. I think they do what they – no, they can pick, and that's uh, they can identify pretty good defensive players. All right, 21 for me, guys. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to laugh at this. I, I think Jerry Judy could drop a little bit. He could also go ninth, but he could also drop. Obviously, Eagles fans in the front office would be ideal because that's a perfect match of, wouldn't you say, John, perfect match of need and fit? Oh, of course. I think <laughs> probably unanimous, unanimously looking at the first round, I think this is probably the the pick we can all agree. They're going wide receiver, right? I think they have All three to. of us, I'm sure. Sure of it. <laughs> if you watch their games, they had nothing. And Oakland was like that, too. There are a couple teams that were just like, in, in New England, it was like, they have nothing on the outside. Yeah. Nothing. Oh, yeah. So, as far as on your board, if you think they're going receiver, who, who do you think they we, – we hear them attached to certain guys, but who, who do you like for them here? You know, I've seen a lot of mock drafts and, you know, other boards that have Justin Jefferson from LSU going here. I still have Henry Ruggs on my board, so I'm going to – slot Henry Ruggs in here but I also like Jefferson he's bigger than Ruggs but when you get a guy like Ruggs who's you know probably like maybe a comp of Tyreek Hill (laughs) you kind of don't pass up on it especially when you need some playmakers on your offensive side of the football I think you just have to take a guy like that I don't think he's explode as explosive Ruggs as um Hill but Landon I think he is a little has more utility right Tyreek Hill is like a two-trick pony but they're two good tricks Ruggs is a football player, so although he doesn't have that kind of explosive cut, I mean, although he's super fast, Tyreek Hill is his own man. He is unreal as far as how he gets over the top of people. Ruggs is a football player. I think he'll go within the top 20 just because you put on his tape. The guy runs, you know, the guy's everywhere, and he, he's he got great football instincts. Landon, I know you like Justin Jefferson a lot. Do you, do you think he's the pick here for Philly? Yeah, I did. This is really boring because every mock draft I read has Justin Jefferson going here. But sometimes there's an obvious fit and there's what three or four picks in the first round that is sort of weak everyone knows who they're going to pick right oh yeah it does this just makes so much this just makes so much sense he's a dependable bigger slot receiver they didn't have anything at receiver 
Maybe Deshaun Jackson comes back, but he's going to be dependable. He's going to be an option for Carson Wentz. He makes the tough catch, and he he surprised me at the combine. I thought he had decent speed, but then he goes out and runs a 4-4-3. That kind of speed isn't game-breaking, but it gives you an added dimension where you have to respect him going over the top. John, why do some teams, and you usually are so good at answering stuff like this, because this a lot of this has to do with on the field. Howie Roseman in Philadelphia has done such a good job drafting in the last close to a decade, they have not been effective finding wide receivers, whether it's in the first round or le- or later or even in free agency. Well, what creates those? Why, why can't Philly get receiver right? It's tough. You know, Philadelphia is a cold football town, and catching that ball is really, really hard when it's cold. And they play in an outdoor stadium, and it's always going to be cold. They play teams like the Giants and the Redskins when it's cold. So it's just going to be one of those positions that's harder for them to get. So the guys that they do get that they usually hit on are guys like Deshaun Jackson who can just burn a bunch of people and they can, you know, chuck it deep. Wide receiver has always been tough for them. And I think it will continue to be tough for them. Not to say that that's the only reason, but that's a big reason. What they need to do, they need just to find their right guy. Like you see teams. Yeah struggle for that until they just find like the they just go all in on a dominant type player and but I think at this point anybody is going to be like Greg Ward was the quarterback at University of Houston he was their number two receiver down the stretch <laughs> and you know what I'm not making fun of him the guy was admirable uh, but oh yeah that just very shows that very he, admirable and, you know you combined some of it's luck and some of it is exactly what you said whether it's a tough place I, I don't think it's a super easy offense that they run uh, I think they're going to absolutely identify one of these guys and maybe even two you know in the first two days of this draft and um they're just going to try to get that right jefferson you boy you put on tape of lsu last year everybody looks good. everybody's getting an nfl job uh, <laughs> obviously we have a 30 year old offensive coordinator for the carolina panthers based on that and he was just a passing game coordinator i mean everybody got a raise everybody got a promotion off that understandably so joe burrow went from a, a mid-round guy to the first overall pick jefferson just look up the stats, guys. Unbelievable. Everybody on that offense, um, you can kind of envision, and I think Philly would would love to have him. I think he'll be who, the, whoever's there. They're just gonna like him. Um, yeah. What about Minnesota? If I'm not mistaken, this is the pick they get from Buffalo. And a lot of I don't think they'll look to replace uh, this pick w- with a receiver. Uh, I think they I think they have a bigger need at corner. And there's a few guys. I like Jalen Johnson from Utah. Christian Fulton could be this year's corner that sort of surprises us and goes maybe in the early 30s. I think either one of those guys. Um, uh, what do you guys think at, at Minnesota? Am I right? Is it is it sort of corner, receiver, edge, probably corner all the way here? I'm thinking corner or edge, but I, I you know, I'm going to lean towards corner. I told you there was going to be a, uh, a run on corners here, so I, I would agree with you. And I, I'd put Gladney here. Um, I've seen some mocks where they take Trayvon Diggs. I just don't think they do that right yet if guys like Gladney are still available. Um, so I'd, I'd mock him there. Landon Epinesa, if he's on the board, could be a fit here, right? Um, what do you think? Other than that, from a scheme fit, would be the best uh, best corner for Minnesota. And who who do you like them to take overall? Epinesa would make sense replacing Everson Griffin. But at the same time, Minnesota lost their top three cornerbacks: Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, and Mackenzie Alexander. Now those guys weren't very good, but continuity in your secondary is very important. They're going to replace all their cornerbacks. I don't see how this isn't a cornerback. And Jeff Gladney, he he's like I said earlier, he's instinctive, makes plays on the balls, and in Mike Zimmer's system as something he looks for a lot. And and Gladney, along with Mike Hughes, both of them have the athletic ability to hang with guys. And I just really like how their their ability to play the ball in the air. 
And this was feel feel about fair value. I have Gladney as my cornerback for, like John said, there's going to be a run. Gladney might go higher in real life, but the Vikings would be happy to get him just to get a solid cornerback, which they don't have right now. Yeah, it could be. This is that point in the draft where it's like, well, who's going to really be there? And what, what are they really thinking? It's going to be pretty tough. Ultimately, I think they get locked in on corner. So I'm going to give him Christian Fulton, although I think he could be a, a guy that there are some questions about. But he certainly has all the physical tools. That's going to bring us to, boy, just when you think <laughs> a team that has you know, won what six championships in 19 seasons, they couldn't be more compelling. They're going to be really compelling. Guys, I spent my Saturday night like most single – men in their 30s uh, during a pandemic spin it I, I spent it watching film and I, I spent it watching Jared Stidham's preseason tape which take of it what you will preseason but you know I just want to see how he, he looked he looked commanding he looked great in the uniform he looked athletic is it a smoke screen are they going to go quarterback here or do they really are they going to really walk out run out there with Stidham he really looked the part uh, in the very limited action we saw this is going to be I mean they're going to start talking about this pick five picks before right John they, this is going to be such a compelling yeah. arc in at this point of the draft oh without a doubt I mean you even talked to talk Stidham up a lot when we've done our mock drafts in previous years so yeah uh, I think he, he <laughs> it's so hard because what if we ever had to talk about the Patriots with a different quarterback option you know there was that one year that Brady sat out most of the year with an injury but outside of that we've never really had to have this conversation and I think that with the Buccaneers picking at 14 and, and then the Patriots picking here at 23, you know, we're going to start talking about Tom Brady and the Tom Brady effect pretty early. And it's all going to lead to this pick. Do they take a quarterback? I have Jordan Love on my board sitting there, and I kind of feel like, yeah, do it. But maybe this is a, a wild time where they go with a receiver. Like they take a Justin Jefferson, or maybe they take a, you know, an offensive lineman. Maybe they need a new center. And because they are another team that is not afraid to take whoever they want to take oh, so they can take a guy yeah they could take a guy that we're not looking at like you know matt hennessy at a temple i've I, he is a temple guy but i do think he's really great at playing center and i think he's a guy that can sneak up boards and i think i it wouldn't surprise me at all if new england <laughs> took a guy like that people but, love hennessy or even this is a guy that yeah. turned to ivy league off, offers he's what you want out of a center you want to be smart as a jack tough as a whip um smart, smart as a whip tough as a jack <laughs> Uh, and he is. I don't know about him here at 23, but he's definitely. Yeah. I think he's going to go oh, in the 30s. Oh, I'm not saying he's picked, but I, I, they can do something crazy like oh, that. they do whatever they want. They're like our yeah, guy. They, right. They, they, have, they have a lifetime contract, as it were, as close as you can get, <laughs> and they can do whatever the heck they want. Honestly, for me, looking at the Patriots here, I'm really tempted to go wide receiver, but they took Nikhil Harry last year, and they've still got Julian Edelman, and they've got a couple guys that I know that, you know, because I, I do know a couple Patriots fans, and a couple other guys are high on, like Jacoby Myers. So I'm going to skip I'm gonna skip wide receiver. I'm going to skip quarterback, even though I really want to, um, and I really want them to take a center, but I'm going to take them as a reach here, and I'm going to slot them in as taking Etor Grossmatos, um, because they could be really scary if they get enough edge rushers and enough defensive monsters on that team. They have Winovich, um, you you know they've got some decent guys there and they just do a smart thing and take another one kind of getting them a really elite speed edge rusher landon does gross models fit the patriot ideal edge rusher i think so they played a lot more 4-3 over the recent years and gross matos is a great 4-3 in with his build and his long arms so it does make a lot of sense 
and he's a good fit there. I think he's kind of underrated at this point in the draft process. But for me, I think linebacker is one of their biggest needs. They lost Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noyen for agency. So it's Dante Howard, Hightower, and a bunch of unproven guys. I have them taking Kenneth Murray, linebacker out of Oklahoma, just to fill that void at middle linebacker. Well, there have been a team that has not been afraid to spend a high pick on a non-rushing linebacker. Gerard Mayo went ninth, 15, you know, 12 years ago or whatever. And then obviously you mentioned Hightower. He went around the same point uh, several years ago. They could definitely do that. I think Epinesa is more of a fit of what they like, but they have never shown any sort of pattern of picking a guy like that that early. Big defensive tackle, yeah, skill position guy, yeah, but they are such an enigma here. I think if Jordan Love is here, I think they'll take him. But it all comes down to Belichick has to like the guy, the quarterback. Like, we all know about, you know, how much he supposedly loved Jimmy G and all that. Jordan Love seems like that guy you could just, like, be turned off by him or love him. The unfortunate thing is Bill Belichick's not been able to get in a room with him, I'm sure. And so uh, we'll see. I think that would be fascinating because you see Bill Belichick, obviously he's had a statue back there. Yes, the best statue to ever play the game. And you can tell with the guys he's drafted. Jimmy G, the guy we like. Brissett. Brissett. You just see... He likes athletic guys. Like, you can see where he wants to add that element to his offense. Jordan Love fits that. But uh, he's not here on my board, so I don't really know where to go with these guys. So uh, I like the linebacker part. I, I like where you're going uh, there. I'm going to say I think they're, they could be a guy that would like Patrick Queen, the linebacker from LSU, just because he has kind of the flexibility. He's real quick. All that stuff we've read about that came about Belichick and the guys he likes, he doesn't care if your guy is super intelligent on the defensive line, but your linebacker has to be uh, you know, a really instinctive player. Patrick Queen is that, so I could see him being a Patriot for sure. All right, guys, uh, we get to New Orleans at 24. They seem to always just pick whoever they want, do whoever they want. Their needs technically, linebacker, corner, receiver. Maybe they could get cute with a quarterback. They have about everything, so it means they could kind of go anywhere john what what do you like new orleans at 24 i i really like for new orleans um i, I really like them with patrick patrick queen the guy you just picked for the patriots i think so too and i think you know with new orleans and you know with the whole covid 19 pandemic they, it seems like whenever there's a natural disaster, they always like to go hometown. Um, so taking a guy out of LSU, it's kind of a crowd favorite too. Um, and I think there's some stock. You know, I think there's some credibility to it. I think you know Queen's game kind of you know lends it to, lends itself to a lot of things that we traditionally think about the Saints. We think about them being fast, and like you said, he's got a lot of speed as, as a rusher, and I think he's just somewhere that can can kind of shore up that defense too, so I, I think that's where they go with this. Landon, John, as usual, brings up an excellent point that I hadn't really thought about. Are we going to see a more regional flair? And let's go beyond regional. Are we going to see more of a... I mean, what are they going to rely on? But who they get on the phone and who they trust. You can call whoever you want, but doesn't it matter? Like It's like any other profession. Landon, you've met a lot of the smartest kids in your graduating class from all over the state probably one way or the other john i know you network with a lot of guys in hr i, I know you know a lot of different cpas and guys in, in governmental accounting these coaches this is a pretty small network when you come down to it and you don't have to walk it back too much and everybody makes a big deal out of that oh well they know this or that and i usually laugh at that somebody can call like the carolina panthers right they're gonna have an asset in joe brady and they're gonna ask them let's say this guy was around let's say queen was around in the second and say hey what did you think about queen Right. And that's going to matter because there's going to be a lot less data. So uh, you can't tell me that, for instance, the Titans don't have a better tab on Keyshawn Vaughn than they do, uh, you know, another guy that uh, that might be a, a fifth round running back that played in the in the Pac-12. Right. I think this might be the year where that stuff matters. Landon, what do you think? 
Yeah, I think so. I think overall, I'm expecting this draft to be a bit safer in its approach. Team, I'm seeing reports that teams want to trade back as much as possible. Just kind of push things off till the 2021 draft because they don't want to have to take a risky pick here. Well, think about the logic or of that, reach Ryan. on a guy think who's really safe. If you know less about these guys, they become more scratch off tickets. So what would you do? Just get more scratch off tickets, right? Yeah. So take that's more been picks my philosophy. because you don't know. Yeah. That's been my philosophy with what I'm hoping J-Rob does, getting a lot of mid to late round picks and just taking guys who have fallen because teams are scared. Just take the risk at that point because it's a steal in the fifth. In the fifth round plus, if you're getting a guy who can maybe be a starter, that's a steal. If you miss, it's not that big of a deal because at least he had the potential. Now, I agree with John. I actually think they're going to take an LSU linebacker here. Just a different one. I have Caleb on chase on dropping to 24. I understand he's probably the second best edge rusher in this class, but the injury concerns and his lack of production combined with the fact that he didn't test at the combine, he didn't get a pro day. There's just a lot of non- unknown about him. And they have Cam Jordan, who's great. Marcus Davenport ended the year on injured reserve, and you can never have enough pass rushers. This is just a pick where it's all about best player available, and it's at the second most important position behind quarterback. I think that's really astute because in this that geography thing you were talking about, they're going to know more about him. And you've seen New Orleans take chances on guys like that because they feel like they have the culture and the leadership for it. And you can't tell me, we know like Joe Brady went from the staff for the Saints to the staff for the, there's a connection there and there's going to be inside track. And I think they use that leverage. Uh, I could see it. I don't see Chase on lasting this late. I think if he was, uh, you know, a Boy Scout, so to speak, I think this guy has easy top 10 talent. But I still don't think we see him fall out of the 20s. But it does happen, especially when you can't get your questions answered. New Orleans takes the best player, and they have never been afraid to take a, a skill guy. On my board, Jefferson's here, and I know that they people made a big deal about their acquisition of e- Emmanuel Sanders, but I think they would jump at Justin Jefferson. So that's where I'm going to go. Oh, absolutely. They throw so much. And with Drew Brees, he's got great accuracy on short throws. You've got Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders outside. you got Jefferson in the slot. That's a scary wide receiver core. And a year ago, it was Michael Thomas and then Ted, like the corpse of Ted Guinness, <laughs> number two receiver. Like, no, it's true. Just Emmanuel Sanders work, and... So, yeah, they, they would definitely yeah. love to go there. You add yeah. Sanders and Jefferson, that offense is going to be even better somehow. They do such an underrated job of developing guys, right, John, that they can go best player available and say, well, we're going to fill our needs elsewhere, elsewhere because we've, we've shown a propensity to do that. Oh, for sure. And I'll be curious to see if they can still develop these kind of guys once Drew Brees leaves, because obviously he's a big part of that too, right? He um, makes it easier. You know, specifically with the receivers. No so I'll be curious to see if that, that trend continues. Because they're a smart organization, I think it will. Whether they, you know, Because they're going to find their quarterback of the future. Who knows who it'll be, when it'll be, but they're going to find it. And they'll continue to have this kind of development, I think. But, you know, well, I mean, I guess we'll see with, with New England, right? You know? For 20 years, it's been the Brady Show. That's what now we're saying. Gonna it's going to be so fascinating yeah. because it's something that we have not even thought about. It has been a certainty. And they were making, they were picking quarterbacks even when they had him uh, in his prime. So what are they right. going to do now? Fascinating. All right, we've decided, guys, that we're going to wrap here for this episode. That way we can do our final eight picks. They're very important for us. It's a lead up to our pick at 29. I know that's what we all came for. This has been a blast. I hope you've gotten a lot of good information. Be sure to follow us, reach out to us, share this. There are a lot of people. This is that week where people just itch for information and we listen and we listen to national guys. We want to hear them talk about the Titans. We talk about the Titans. Even when we're not talking about the Titans, uh, it's all in context of, of our team and what we're going to do. So share us out, follow us, listen to us on Spotify on one point to just any way you get your podcast and guys i can't thank you enough and we will be back with you uh very shortly and we'll see you can see who we're picking at 29 until then boys tighten up tighten up tighten up